This morning we finish up our MOVE series. We have had six or seven different conversations working through different themes connected to movement in our life, whether it's moving from a new country to this country or from a new city to this city or a new move or transition from one aspect of life into the other. And I want you to imagine this morning um, kind of like moving from one home to another home. And you've sold your old house, and you know that you're moving into a new house, and you know that there's a new moving day coming. Like, you know that that day is going to arrive, and it's going to arrive much sooner than you realize or much sooner than you prepare for. And for some, when you know that there's a moving day coming, and you've sold your home, and you're going to move, you start early. You are a planner. You like to make sure that you're not caught off guard. This is kind of, I would fall into this category. You start sorting things. You start throwing things out. You start packing up boxes. Um, And on the day that you move, you already have this incredibly organized group of people that's there. The random person that you know in your life who's not even your friend that has a truck is there to help you move. It's amazing who, who, who who has a truck. Uh, he kind of is my friend, but we'll ask him and we'll give him some pizza and it will be fine. Uh, but you, you, you do some work leading up to that particular move. You're, you're planning for it. There's others of you. Um, you're the opposite. You don't think about it at all. You are just amazingly calm through it all until it arrives. And you're like the thief on the cross. You have got to sort things out quickly because time is running out. You are a mad person, just frustrated, screaming, directing traffic, and you somehow, you're able to pull it all off. But it's just a gong show, kind of watching it all unfold when you know there's another kind of a moving day kind of out in front of you as you move from your house to, to a new one. This morning in this final conversation, we are going to be talking about kind of like a final move of sorts that's out there. And it's connected to those individuals who are followers of Jesus Christ. And we'll speak to that in a little bit. But it's uh, in John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about this particular kind of moving day, so to speak. This is um, Jesus, John 14, 2 and 3. My father's house has many rooms. Uh, If it were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Uh, This is a a moving day of sorts. Jesus is talking to his closest followers hours before he's going to be betrayed and then arrested and then crucified on the cross. And he's telling them that he's going away, that he's going to be preparing a place for them, and that he's going to come back and then bring those individuals to this place that he has been preparing for them. This triggers a huge conversation about what's out in front of us. And when I say us, I am talking to people who have responded to God's love on their life. And by by faith, they have said, yes, I am following you. I am your son. I am your daughter. These are the ones who have denied themselves and are working at daily denying themselves to follow after Christ. These are the ones that Jesus is coming back for Because right now, if this text is true, which I would believe that it is, he is at work preparing a place for people who have said yes to him. It's a larger conversation that we have scratched at over the years here, and it's all fitting inside of this eschatological one, the study of the end of things, 
Um, it's getting at the conversation of the hope that we carry around inside of us as men and women who follow the Lord by faith. It points out to the behold, I am making all things new again moment that Jesus references often through the Gospels and New Testament. We've had these conversations many times over the years. So in our conversation this morning, we're going to just really quickly highlight the parallels between selling your home and moving to a new home, which I suspect for everyone in this room, we've done that probably more than once, and it's arguably one of the most frustrating experiences of our lives. But that whole space of we're moving from address A to address B, and all the things that we must do to get from here to there. And we're going to parallel that with this larger move that Jesus is referencing. For those who are following Him by faith, there is a move coming for us. And we're going to parallel this to a, just a regular old earthly move that we do. First up, this is where it all begins. A decision must be made. A decision must be made. This is like the moving day preparations. When someone is moving from one house to another, they must decide on the house that they want to buy. They go through great lengths. I remember the first time we actually, we didn't buy a house, we were just moving to our, our second apartment when we were moving from Sussex, New Brunswick to Acadia Divinity College. We made 13 trips from Sussex, New Brunswick to Acadia Divinity College to no avail. But we were looking for an apartment, looking for a spot to stay, looking for um, the right kind of dynamic because we were kind of looking for a house with my sister and her husband and two young girls. So it would kind of be a unique living arrangement. And as you are looking at all the things to buy, there are things that you are working through that help shape your decision, the style of home, the budget you have, and of course, the location, location, location. And once the choice has been made, well, actually, then the work begins. The making the decision in, in a weird way is often some of the easiest parts of the whole thing. Well, So, so in Christ, um, a decision must be made. Jesus in Luke 24, Jesus speaks very candidly to his this crowd of people. And they are not yet his follower, but he's just addressing them in this particular chapter. And he's talking about the cost of what it is to be a disciple, to be a follower of his. And he, and he says in Luke 24, if anyone comes to me and does not, and he goes on, hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even their own life, they cannot be my disciple. Jesus lays out in front of them, before you make any decision, you need to be aware of the cost that's coming if you are signing up, if you're going to say yes to who I am. He goes on to talk about in the same chapter that if someone's going to build a tower or build a house, they sit down and they actually count the cost and make sure they have enough money to complete the task. In that same chapter, he goes on talking about how if a king is going out to war, to, to wage war against another king, that king makes sure that they have enough weapons and ammunition and military might to go and wage battle. There's accounting the cost before they go out. Jesus finishes this particular chapter in Luke 24. He says, those of you who do not give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. There is a decision that's made. And Jesus lays out very candidly that it's a costly decision. It's a free gift for you to participate in the joys of all that I have done for you on your behalf that you will never be able to do. Conquer sin, deal with death, forgiveness and healing and all of those things. But if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your life. A decision must be made. Now, I know that there's a whole side conversation that this haunted me as a kid. Sometimes I wonder, well, did I really decide? Like, what are the metrics of this? 
So there was many nights where I, say, I said the sinner's prayer a million times, like a million times, like today wasn't a good day just to make sure, did it take, did it hold, dear Heavenly Father, can my heart again? Like, we said this prayer over and over and over and over again, reassuring myself, did I actually decide to follow the Lord? And as I've grown older, I, I love the fact that Jesus gives me helps. He gives us helps on helping my mind and heart realize, okay, yes, I have decided. It's not a, a call into perfection, it's a call into following. And I love in John's Gospel where he says, well, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Whoever has my cans and acts on them, this is the one who actually has decided to follow me. Anyone who loves me, anyone who's following me, they will hear my teaching and obey it. And again, I want to be clear, he's not talking about like the Big Ten, Old Testament, Sinai, the Levitical, that's not what he's getting at. He's talking about the things he has said. The spaces where he would say, you have often heard it said, but I'm telling you, pay close attention if you are a follower of Jesus to the, but I'm telling you parts of the red letters in the Gospels. I love the fact that Jesus often, when he is telling me what it is to follow him, it's assumed that I'm in this space of brokenness and he's leading me out of it. It's not that space of you are holy, you are righteous, you are perfect, don't make a mistake. It assumes the mistake has already happened. Similar, you see that kind of assumption in the Sermon on the Mount. If your relationship is off, before you go and worship, go and find your brother or sister and restore the relationship quickly, like restore the matters fast. It assumes that something is off and here's how you restore this. So much of Christ's instruction assumes that we're already in that space and He's giving an instruction that leads us out of that vicious cycle of sin and death. This is the introduction. This is the opportunities where we get to follow Him by faith. It begins with a decision. A choice to follow Him by faith. And in a weird way, this is where a lot of effort now begins. A lot of pointed focus begins. And we'll go back to when you sell your home, you've made the decision, you're selling your house, and you know that there's a moving day coming, well, probably one of the early things that you do is a purging or a getting rid of things. And every single one of us in this room understands this. You go through your stuff and how like you had one junk drawer in the living room or in the kitchen, in the part of the kitchen that no one really visits. But then as you grow and do life, you're like, I have junk closets, I have junk, like, garages, like, just stuff that amasses through the course of time. And you're like, when did I get this? And how is this even in my home? And we're curious, and we try to figure out where and what was I doing and what was I thinking to buy this thing. And then we begin to throw it out. And if you're around me at all, I have no attachment to things. Like, sentimental things, gone. Uh, every six months in the office, the, the staff, it's curious because they can see it coming. There's a storm brewing where I just get annoyed with things in the corner and it starts to kind of creep in and I just start throwing things out. And they begin moving things, hiding things so, because they know that it's going to go in there. I've, I'm pretty sure I've thrown out things that belong to others. And they're like, have you seen? I haven't seen it in a long time because we probably threw it. I probably threw it out. There's a purging that happens when we are getting ready for this particular moving day. So it is in Christ. Once you have decided to follow him, there is a purging of sorts. There is a getting rid of things of sorts. And the phrase that this is scratching at all through the New Testament is this phrase of we are to put to death 
the sin that reigns inside of us. Putting to death the sin that reigns in our mortal bodies, which is possible now. Because as I decide to follow Christ by faith, I am given the Holy Spirit's help and power that dwells inside of me. So there's things in our lives. I have, my, I have my own versions of road rage. Like we all have them. We all have things of brokenness inside of us. That the Holy Spirit by His power in our lives helps us to put these things to death. To purge our lives. To get rid of these things while we make our way towards moving day. There's a great line in Colossians 3, the book that we were studying together as a church back in the spring. It reads this, and this is Paul. Put to death, therefore. This is after, if you belong to Christ, if you belong to Christ, you are hid with Christ in God. It's this incredible narrative of set your eyes on things above, not on earthly things. And at the end of that, it's put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed which is idolatry, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the, in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its image of its creator. When I decide to follow Christ by faith, and I respond to his love and invitation in my life, as I get ready to move, I am to put to death this stuff in my life with the help of the Holy Spirit. Some of us, we think back to when we're like 1920 and whatever your ages are, it doesn't really matter. But our language would be what the scriptures say would be filthy language, off-color jokes, inappropriate conversations, on and on. And all of a sudden we come to know Christ and the Holy Spirit convicts us in this particular area of our life. And begin to prayerfully ask God for help to deal with this particular part of our life. And it's fascinating and amazing when you see that same person like 15 years later. And their whole vernacular has changed. They're no longer someone who would say that and laugh at that. And, da, 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 and, and that is the putting to death the sin that reigns inside that person's body. And there are all kinds of things that we put to death as we get ready to move from this house to the next house, so to speak. A decision must be made. There's a getting rid of things. There's a purging of things. And then there's this third area that we do while we are moving. There's a waiting and suffering. If you've made a decision to buy a new home and move, there's a purging that's underway. And these often happen at the same time. It's not like this happens for three months. And then these are all kind of simultaneous things. There is a waiting and suffering. You go and you talk to your banker. And you are suffering through the, do I have enough money to even buy the house? Will I get the approval of finances? Are they the ones who are buying your home? Because often when we sell that house, it's dependent upon the, 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 our home being sold. So there's a waiting and suffering that's there. And then my favorite one, it's like the house inspection. When you're like waiting for the news, like what lemon have I bought? What are the issues that I know that I'm going to have to deal with? And then you see with the inspector, like, well, your roof is going to have to be replaced in the next year and a half. Um, there's rats in the back corner basement. Like, there's all kinds of things that they could share with you. I remember, I remember when we sold our home, it actually cleared the inspection process. Uh, and then we knew them. They weren't, they weren't like friends' friends, but like we had shared friends. So we drove by the house and... Um, I noticed that the entire back of the house was completely unsided. It was, it was very, very like dark 
and I texted her. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, well, the, the inspection didn't catch us, but there was a, a leak in the sliding patio door, and everything underneath of it is rotten and has to be replaced. And I, and I didn't respond for like hours. I'm like, I don't know what to say. I feel bad. Uh, but this is your house. Welcome to your new house. I, I don't live there anymore. Like, I don't know what you did to it. But anyway, there's this kind of suffering and waiting for all the news to come through. And, and this is very true in our suffering while we wait for the new home in Christ. While we wait for this day for Christ to come or our death, while we wait, there is a suffering that we are going to walk through. It's unavoidable. And to act as though it's not a thing you are fooling yourself. Well, I would say you've never actually read anything of what Jesus would say about the waiting process. He tells us that you're going to be hated because of him. He tells us that in this world, you're going to have just trouble. While we live in a broken world, while we wait for all things new, while we wait for his return, there's going to be trouble. And some of you in this room this morning, you're literally sitting through some of that trouble right now. That could be your, your physical health. That could be work. That could be a relationship. That could be so many things where you're just sitting in the season of just trouble. Because we live in a world that's broken while we wait for this moving day to unfold. Jesus tells us that if you are going to follow me, that I have come not to bring peace, but to bring the sword. Where I, will, I will turn fathers against sons and daughters against mothers. And essentially what he's saying is as we grow our heart and affection for Christ, and we become more in love with His way of life, those closest to us may abandon us. Those closest to us years ago, we might not want to hang around with because our lives are so categorically different now. He speaks of the kind of struggle and trouble that we will go through, this suffering while we wait from this home to the next home. And then He tells us that that suffer and that trouble and that suffering, that that actually is going to increase the closer and closer and closer that it is to the moving day. Some of us in this room, and I've said this before, um, you're like, well, I can relate to that struggle. I can relate to that being mocked and being hated by others. Again, I want to be very clear. There's a difference between a heart that is in love with Christ and his way of life that you're so committed to that it invites people to mock and scorn you because your world is different. That is a different person, a different category than someone who is just difficult to be around and they are mocked and scorned. Those are different things. I know people in my life who they wrongfully, this is just part of the suffering for the Lord. I'm like, no. It's just that you're really angry. And it's hard to be around. Your, your, your relationships are broken down, not because you love the Lord. And in a weird way, it's because you don't. Uh, it's because you just love yourself so much. And it's so hard to hear over and over and over again. And they've misplaced, well, this is the suffering that Jesus speaks about. No. No, this has nothing to do with because of the name of Christ that's on your life. This has everything to do with that you're just you in all of your glory. And it's hard to be around. So please don't make that mistake. I know that's a bit of a, of a rabbit trail, but there's a mistake that we can quickly make of the suffering that we would experience is automatically somehow because I'm a follower of the Lord. No, some of it's just because I can be very difficult to be around. Because my ideas can be very, very selfish and greedy and very self-centered. 
While we wait for this move to unfold, Jesus tells us very clearly that there's going to be a suffering that we experience. Fourth, there's two more. Um, There's a, a, a serving of those around you when we sell our house and are moving to a new house. Don't believe me? Well, here we go. Ready? Um, the lawyers will need you to do things. Get a piece of paper, information, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Realtors will want you to get some things in order for them. Your spouse is going to ask you. Your friends are going to ask you to do so. There's a serving everyone around you when you have made the decision to sell your home and you're waiting to move into your next home. Your new buyers, you might be even serving them while you wait uh, in your current house and going to the next one. And that space of posture, that, that posture of serving and coming alongside others, well, so it is in Christ. We are told very clearly by Christ, the gifts you have, the talents that you have, they're not yours on purpose. They're not yours that you asked for in the womb. They're not yours. These are things that God has just given you. Out of His grace and mercy on your life, He's made you talented at. He's given you a heart that's bent towards. And those gifts and those talents that we have been given by God Himself, we are told in the Scriptures, in the way of Christ, that we are to offer those up to serve other people. All through the New Testament. All through. You will find a language that speaks of gifts and serving you will find a language that very clearly talks of putting others before yourself. Very clearly, you will hear a language in multiple places of like, we are a body of believers. And there's ears, and there's toes, and there's eyes, and there's hands. And all parts exist to serve the body as a whole. Think of how many passages that Paul would say, the one another ones. One another, one another, walk with one another, serve one another, love one another, care for one another. Think of all the passages that speak of serving others and offering cups of cold water in the name of Christ. While we are waiting to move from this house to the next house, we are instructed by Christ in the way of Christ to serve others, to offer up our gifts for the glory of Christ so that they too may be blessed by and through the name of Christ. And and I'll say this, there's so many like rabbit trails that I want to take, but I just don't have the time to. The older we get, the older we get, I'll reframe this because that was going to be a negative way. This will be the positive way. When we were young in our faith, my goodness, we served a lot. My goodness, we served a lot. And for reasons I do not know, the older we get, well, here's the negative. It's going to come anyway. The older we get, we're like, well, I've done that already. I've kind of punched in my time, so to speak. No, no, no. Like, I don't serve from 19 to 40. I don't serve in kids' programming because my kids are in the kids' program. That's called selfishness. There is nothing greater that you can do. We're reminded of this weekend at Oasis. There is nothing greater that I can do than to spend time with another for the glory of Christ. There's nothing more important than that in our whole world. And that all speaks down into the space of we are serving others all the way to the very end until we move into our new home. Lastly, and this is the last one, You haven't moved until you've moved. Like moving into a new home, you haven't moved until you moved. Many of you know this, especially realtors. The deal isn't done until you actually take possession and you move into the house. From the point of decision 
to the day that you can actually physically move in, there are lots of things that can ruin and scuttle that deal. So it is in Christ. We decide to follow Him by faith. We are to work away at putting things to death. We are suffering in the meantime. We are serving others in the meantime. And all the while we are doing this, there is another. There is a lion roaming looking for those he can rob and ruin and destroy and devour. Christ follower, you are not there until you're there. We are instructed all the way through the Scriptures to run through the finish line. Paul says it this way in Hebrews 6. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. And then it goes on. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for will be realized. So that what you hope for will be realized. In other words, Don't stop doing what you have been doing. Keep doing these things all the way to the very end so that that which you have put your hope, you will realize these things. Hebrews Hebrews 3. We have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold to our original conviction, the original decision, firmly to the very end. Jesus in John 2, or Revelation 2. Do not be afraid for what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put sorrow, will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you a victor's crown. Jesus, again in Matthew 24, the one who stands firm to the very end, this is the one who will be saved. I'm going to invite John and the team back. They're going to lead us in one more song here in a moment. There is a lot that I could talk about in each one of these bullets. But Jesus is the one who tells us in John 14 that He's gone away. He is preparing a place. And He is coming back for us to take us to be with Him. One of the questions that I was always intrigued with as a kid well, when's that day? Because unlike when we buy a house, like we know the moving day. So we can plan accordingly. Some of us start early, some of us wait to the last minute, but we can plan accordingly. But in this particular moving day, we don't know that particular day. I'm going to read to you just this final passage from Matthew 24. And it speaks to the heart we are to have in the waiting period of this great moving day. Keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. You must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the Master has put in charge of His servants in His household to give them their food at the proper time? And I love this. It will be good for that servant whose Master finds him doing what he should be doing at his return. We don't know the day. I wish. There there have been lots who like September 9th, 2037. Be ready. Run away from that voice. We do not know that day. 
But we are told by Christ himself, don't worry about that day. Just be faithful all the way through the finish line and you'll be fine. Don't worry about that hour, that day. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Just keep walking and following and trusting me by faith and I will come get you and bring you to where I am. Let's pray together. Our gracious and heavenly Father, I love the language of the great moving day in the scriptures. We want to be a people who are diligently doing the things that you invite us into for your glory's sake, for our life's sake, all the way through to the end. So that I can go be with you where you are in this place that you have prepared for your sons and daughters. In your name we pray. Amen.